welcome welcome everybody to a brand new episode of the track podcast um we're joined by john Devsky and d rob but before you continue in this episode if you haven't watched the previous episode uh with our special guest spencer paysinger i encourage you to go watch that right now pause this video go watch the other video video right now well today we are joined by another member of off the track podcast uh, abby Hi guys, I'm Abigail Paez, or just Abby. I'm also on the track team, and I run the eight. And I'm super excited to be um, on this episode with y'all. Thank you. Nice, nice. Today we'll be talking about the microaggressions um, directed toward minorities, people of color. I'll also, be addressing the Black at USC uh, Instagram page that caught. A lot of steam lately, and it has making it is making a lot of changes. Will cause a lot of changes in the USC community, and we're just going to talk about the overall social climate. So, yeah. yeah, that page in particular, like I remember, that page has got to be what not even two weeks old. Yeah, it's already got eleven and a half thousand people following it. Like I remember first seeing it, I think somebody just like posted on their store, and I looked, it was like. 40 people had followed it, but you look and just kept building and building and building steam. And like, it's, yeah. it's insane that it's that, like, like we talked about 484 posts now. Yeah. With, with like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Like, once I followed it, it was like, I was scrolling. It was like 10 straight posts. I'm like, yeah. And, and one of the key things is in all these posts, uh, if you look like under how it has like the class of which they were in, they have people who graduated in 2017, 2016, 2015, and they posting these things. So there's just, people, um, I saw some from like 1976, like there's yeah, like a going long time. way back, it's going way back. And I see so there's high schools starting to make their own page. Like my, my high school has made a page now. Mm-hmm. It's just blowing up. I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. This is a real movement. And they're all talking about microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, just because like a lot of my friends who are black or mixed with black in some capacity, like whenever we hang out, it's a lot of the time like they'll bring up something like you'll never like you'll never guess what happened to me in class today or something like that. And um, a lot of like throughout since freshman year and a lot of it will be something that is like along the lines of a microaggression and I think now that there's this movement it's just amplifying things that were already happening um but yeah I'm not surprised that like to see so much people coming out about it yeah over the time it just shows how social media has played a significant role in social movements because even back in 2017 and all the way back, you you wouldn't have heard of these things. Now everybody is able to go straight to text and share their stories. It's it's really been blowing up, and it's it's kind of crazy. To see all the stories. Crazy about it as well. I mean, it's kind of when we get into the whole talking about microaggressions, it's it's one of those where it's it's literally called a microaggression. So it seems like a small little like action. And it's, it's kind of like what we talked about when we talked about systemic racism. Like, it's one of those that's not easily picked up. And if you pick it up, you notice it. And yeah. 
you look at all the stuff, I mean, you got 480 posts. Like, this is something that's obviously being heavily noticed right now. And one of the things I, like, if you, that caught my eye about it is, like, it's a page that's specifically black at USC and talking about all these microaggressions. And one of my favorite things about it is each one is, you know, cardinal or gold. Each picture, cardinal gold, cardinal gold font. And so, like, it's meant to represent exactly what USC is. And in turn, if you have that as representation, it's a scary thought. Yeah. It is very interesting to see that all the different testimonies are different. Yeah. I just have a different experience. Mm. It was not like, what, a black dude walking down the street like, you must be athlete or something. It's, it's something different every single time. Staff, faculty, TAs, everybody. Everybody getting affected. Even the, the bus drivers. When I saw when I read those things about the bus driver getting fired, because I forgot to be dead. Well it wasn't even that serious, but he got fired based on the color of skin and something that he he did. I thought I thought that was a very crazy story. Yeah. It, to bring up that point, it's not just students at Etsy. It's students, faculty, the whole nine. It's, it's everybody. So yeah. that's what makes this post powerful. It's not just one body of people. It is everybody. Yeah. Like a couple of days ago, there was a staff member of Annenberg who posted something like, we've been having meetings for hours, but not once has this issue about racial inequality has been brought up once in their meetings. I thought that was great. I mean, if you look, there's like Annenberg, and I don't, I don't mean to like specifically um, single out Annenberg, but like on the post, you see certain areas of the campus, certain aspects of like USC that are specifically being targeted out. I mean, one of them, oh, yeah. I have, I have seen Annenberg quite a bit, but like me not being in Annenberg, like I can't, I don't know of the um, atmosphere but at the same time like you look at all the greek life going on and greek life is, is attacked maybe every other post greek is yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah so much it makes so much sense though so. yeah it, it's one of those yeah. like you're not just surprised like you're literally just surprised let me rephrase it you're not surprised by each of them that's that's all i say about it that's and why that's like, why people don't go down down there yeah it, it, it's green like in green like in general is just it's a scene that's just tough. It's <laughs> like they mm. it's like they pushed the the original uh, purpose is Greek life is for Greek life is for you know to join sorority fraternity to meet people you know to network with people to grow with people. It's like Every year, that narrative is just getting pushed out the window, and now Greek life, they just making all kind of things to where it's not even like, like, well, why, why, why are y'all doing this? Y'all pushing away from the original meaning of Greek life. So that's one uh, thing that caught my eye uh, in all these posts is how much of the Greek life is getting attacked. And rightfully so, like they should, because what they have been doing is, is not right at all. And it's not even like the stuff that's being attacked with Greek life. It's not 
the microaggressions like we talk about, it's pretty blatant. Like, yeah. I mean, if you look, I think, like, no, go ahead. Oh, I think one of the reasons why we see this in Greek life, particularly, is because, first of all, Greek life is expensive. And I, we've already talked about, like, you know, systemic racism. We see a lot of wealth mainly being, you know, amongst white, um, the Caucasian spectrum. So that and so that automatically eliminates a lot of black and brown peoples. Um, but also there's this sense of um, it's almost when you talk about the police or the military, but there is this, like, weird sense of brotherhood that means like when something goes wrong they like close barracks and they don't let anyone like talk about it like if there's a sense of just like um hiding your your mistakes and not trying to better um and not holding your, your own accountable yeah uh, if you look like there's i mean i got people that i know that to be in either to be in Greek life and you see some of the people that I believe I know to be on some of the boards of these and you, they see that they've acknowledged it and they have sought action to it. And so there are mm -hmm. some, while it appears like blatant or racist behind the scenes, like from what we know is that it has a history just like she talks about being pushed aside, being a little bit oppressed, the topic not talked about that much, but you see a new wave of people like that do take a lot of issue with it that happen to be in the life. So you know that that is a small little form of progression, but at the same time, like, it's, it's noticeable. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think that, like, a lot of these organizations are very, very much reactive instead of proactive. Like, a lot of times they don't say anything or do anything until some big event happens and everyone knows and they're like, ah, I have to, you know, damage control at this point. And it kind of diminishes a lot of the change that further they want to do. Um, even not to say that they should right? We want that to happen, but it, it does leave like kind of like a I don't know, like an eye roll kind of to see like you kind of just sorry you got caught kind of feel. Yeah, but that's how this country operates. Change doesn't happen until it really needs to happen, or we get caught. Yeah, that's uh, you know, fine. You're not going to find about other things until one major thing happens. Then after that major thing happens, oh, now this is up. Let's now let's bring this in and then let's bring this in. So like like what Eric said, this is based on America's setup. And where we at right now is heading in the wrong direction. It's also, I mean, if you put like of all the posts that are put on to Black at USD page, and you look at the majority of it being Greek life, and it talks about the in-person, in like, studying the microaggressions there. It's hard also, if you think about it as well, for the president and people to act on this in terms specifically of Greek life. Like, let me specify that as well. Because that Greek life in general is not specific to USC. That's the problem. It's a culture that is presented at every single campus. And, like, I, I've had family members that are in Greek life, and from, I know there are people that are in Greek life that are 100% not like this. Yeah. They're, they're not like this. But you get the people that are, frankly, entitled, frankly, spoiled, come from, like, Abby talked about, white affluent areas, that microaggressions, they're, yeah, 
they're naive to that. Naive is the wrong word, but they will fall perpetrators to that. And I, it's hard for the president and administration to adhere to that as much as they can on campus, just because, like I said, it is a cultural problem rather than like an institutional one. Yeah, it, I don't know, the, the, like, uh, fixing the stuff that's happening, like I said, you see Annenberg pop up a lot, like, that stuff that you can probably will see addressed and handled through the stuff that's being posted. I mean, if you got people going back to 1976 posting about this, like. That's, that's a problem. That should tell you something. I think think people are still waiting on Annenberg to say something. To make a statement or something. Because I don't think they made one yet. I think just make a statement. <clears throat> and yeah. And all these other schools just all the all the schools within the university just been quiet, you know. Yeah. Now for Annenberg, let's just say if they do make a statement, if they don't make a statement, what's what's gonna change after? Them making a statement, typing up a little letter. It's not really going to change anything, the fact that we still have this issue that's going on. So whether they make it or not, I kind of, me personally, I don't see, okay, you, they making a post, okay, then, then what? Because at the end of the day, we got to get down to the bottom of the solution, and we got to get the change. I don't think a letter would do anything, because we have seen in the past that uh, people or businesses or corporations have put out letters, and then months later, they're doing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like at this point, a letter is not a letter is not going to do anything. Yeah, I think we're past the, the statement phase, the statement and letter phase. Like those are cool and all, but they don't do nothing. At this point, we need action. We need people to to make an effort or not. And we need to see who you really are. Like you can't play. This is not a time to be in the middle. Right. As I know a lot of people just don't, they don't want to be involved in like this kind of stuff because it makes them uncomfortable, but this is just not the time to be in the middle. Mm -hmm. We're talking about humanity, respect humanity. Yeah, I feel like it starts, number one, I feel like it's going to start with with the whole student body because when they look at SC, they look at the student body. So it's going to start with the student body and I believe that President Folk will take into account what we have to say, and I believe that what changes will will be made. But it all starts from the student body, because we're the ones that, not saying we run SC, but every year we pay the money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so starts with starts with body. Yeah, I mean it's. I agree. It is an aspect of student body, and I agree with what Eric was saying, because I think a major thing that is being um, shown in this page in particular, and like while while this topic on the podcast is microaggressions, and I think we'll go into like a lot of detail on instances of those, when we specify what's going on in this page, it's because it's specific to like SE, so this is a very big spotlight into these microaggressions, and the biggest thing that I've gotten out of this page is a form of like it's sympathy and it's empathy. Like this is stuff that just—it's stupid that this goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is. Like you got people, 
And like, I'm not going to specifically name names, but I've had a conversation with people, a person on the track team that one of those posts, like one of those posts, I think was specifically about them. Towards them. Oh, I know what's supposed to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I had a conversation with them and like, he did, like, they detailed it. Oops. Um, and like, I was like, dude, if like, if you're in the situation, I'm surprised like no hands were thrown. Like that, that's the, that's the feeling I got up and me knowing like, I personally won't be in a situation like that. And if I was, yeah, I'd be pissed. Hands may have been thrown. They, they like, it's ridiculous. And, yeah. you, and you look at other ones like you catch several instances, like this sounds like people like not trying to stereotype or specifically specify, but like, it sounds like people like I know. And it's cruel that I think that they have to go through this. <clears throat> yeah. No, it, I mean, and if you look as well, like, no, I mean, I was going to bring up a topic. I'll, I'll save that for later. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into microaggressions. I'm going to give a definition for the people at home who may not know what it really is. So microaggressions may be based on socioeconomic status, disability, gender, gender expression, or identity sexual orientation, race, ethnicity, nationality, or religion. These insults or insensitives may be exhibited by students or adults within, a, within the school community. Keep, keep that in mind when considering each example. Oh, I got three examples too. As reported by fellow students. So just a few examples. Failing to learn to pronounce or continuing to mispronounce the names of students after they have corrected you. This one is very, yes. and this one gets on my nerves so much. And, and let's talk about that for a few. Like, like that, I'm lucky to have a common name. Yeah. No, one, no one's gonna mess with my name. But like when you got like people with like slightly complicated names and a teacher like totally, like they know they can pr pronounce it. Yeah. And they mispronounce it over and over again. I'm like, come on now. Like, let alone microaggressing. That's, that's just respect, <laughs> in all yeah. honesty. That, that's all it is. And I feel like microaggression com comes off as a very, like, stereotypical way, which is not good. Like, I was talking uh, with a good friend of mine. Uh, he's in college. And he was saying how, and also he's a student athlete, and he was saying how, he was in class and the teacher just quickly assumed that he is an athlete because how he was shaped and how how he looked basically. And it's like why should that be if if you were a professor at a school, at a well known school, why that should be the first thing that come out your mouth? Like at, at that point, you just have no type of respect. You have no type of integrity. Integrity. I, I just, I feel like it just is more of like very stereotypical, and it's not even the right kind of stereotypical. It is point blank, just that's a lie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then like, like the more difficult names. When the teacher don't even try or ask, okay, they will ask how to pronounce it, and then be like, 
Bro, can I just call you this? Like, come on. You're yeah, like, I don't have a name. It's like the most sacred thing for a person to have. And you just want to call them out of, out, of, out of term? It's like, that's disrespectful. And I feel like that really, for what the people I know, it attacks uh, more to the African culture because how their names are pronounced. But at the end of the day, that shouldn't give nobody to just blatantly over and over again mess their name up. Yeah. Like it's really it's really affecting that community, which that community already don't get the respect that it deserves. That community already don't like Americans. Exactly. And, and so that that just make it worse. Sure. Yeah, I mean if you if you look Back, I'll specify back to freshman year because that's when I was getting to like know a lot of you guys. Um, majority of people I hang out with were like you two, Brendan, and you look at people like Taylor and Tade. Like Taylor and Tade are not very common names, and I know that. And you look at Tade, which is stem from Omotade, like it is a Nigerian name, like mm-hmm. it's specifically meant to pronounce as Tade. Mm-hmm. And times I've heard him being called Tade. I've been hit, I've been hearing Taylor called Taylor, like it's no, <laughs> like it's obviously written down, pronounced it as their name. Like, and I don't mean to like specify them out. I'm just giving those like a specific example, but they good examples. So, that's, yeah. so they catch. Then uh, another. I get um I get pays a lot. People don't have. Oh, go ahead, Eric. I was saying, like, another example that's been talked about on the Black and USC pages when at the beginning of a semester that the professor would would ask people where they're from, what nationality they are. And then, like, a few, and then when they call out, like, a minorities or any any minority group, it'd be, like, a few of them to just single, and they feel, those people just feel single out because they, they they already knew there's going to be a few of them. So why would you, why would you like show them all to the whole class? Yeah. I hate that. Luckily, I've never been in a class like that. At that point, you might just even have a class and somebody should have spoken up and be like, hey, like, I'll do a spread professor. What you're doing is very racist and very wrong. And I feel like even with all this stuff that's being posted on this page, I feel like even a more diverse faculty, especially in in the in the classroom, should be a, a big change that needs to happen. Yeah. This is my favorite right here. The microaggression example, anticipating students' emotional responses based on gender, sexual orientation, race, or ethnicity. People. The people who use microaggression, they expect black people to come off as aggressive. Well, obviously, I'm not coming off. I'm not coming off aggressive. I'm coming off passive aggressive. I'll just see when I feel like I'm getting attacked. I'll just sit there. I'll just collect. I'll just bring in everything. I'll just collect everything that person is saying. Then I'll, I'll like get them back later. But it wouldn't. Be, it won't be physical. 
it may be direct, it may be indirect, but it won't be physical. It'd be me using my words and being and just telling them, letting them know, or letting the uh, whoever's in charge know this, this, and this happened. I feel disrespected. Something needs to happen. Yeah, I feel like with that, it goes back to what people was was being put out there. Like you look at these TV shows, these movies, even even in the music industry, and when they make like music videos and they rapping mm. or they skin stuff like that, they people from the outside look in when it regards black people and how they come off in movies and and, and whatnot. They feel mm. like. Oh, that's every black person. That's what they do. That's what every black female does when they get mad. They be ratchet. Or that's what every black male do when they get mad. And really, I think the people need to be really educated. And when you around uh, people that doesn't look at you, look like you, I feel like you need to really educate yourself on who that person really is because it all starts with what's being being put out there and it's been put out there for years decades so that's to to be honest i feel like people who not educated on different cultures they look at that and be like okay that's how they act so let me microaggression so no that's how they act people all act like that like no i yeah i think it's also like in media it's even more subtle because i think it's even more seller than than just seeing um, like black people as a, aggressive. Because even so, do you guys know about like the white savior trope? And have you heard of it? No. no. So it's so it's basically this tr- common trope. If you notice in a lot, lot of films, with we see it often with like black or indigenous peoples, where the main character, the protagonist, is a white lead. And they're somehow saving or helping the like broken um, like black or indigenous uh, like supporting role. So we see this in like The Blind Side, or I don't know if you've seen Dancing with Wolves, or um, something like that, where you see even though these you're seeing this from the lens of someone who wants to help. And um, but if you look at how the film like film is being made, you see that black these black like the black people in the film or the indigenous people in the film or really any minority in the film is being highlighted by their negative attributes, whether it be like a breakdown or how they're poor or how they are, don't have an opportunity in some lens um, and are therefore need to be saved. And uh, although the intention there is like, oh, yeah, they're trying to do good, you still see that it, it creates a perception of not being capable or not being like um, able in their own respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's notice that, and also notice that they like to kill the black people first. That'd be frustrating. And like we, yeah. it's like a lot of stuff we do, y'all could do. It's in some categories, we could do better. In some categories, I would do better. But we just want to be treated as equal. Because we do a lot. Yeah, yeah. And my thing is, I mean, we all the same. Like, 
if you take a knife, I'm not saying do it, but if you take a knife and we all just make a slight decision on our hand, we will bleed the same color. That's that's I, I just don't understand. Like, how can you be that person that just downright full of hatred to a certain race? It it doesn't make no sense, but it's who they surround themselves with since they was young, because racism is taught, and is what they do outside of those walls. That's how racism builds up, and that's how stereotypes builds up, and it doesn't make sense. And then people, well, this may be getting off topic a little bit, but it's like, it's like when people were attacking, like, for and the, the Declaration of Independence, and the people like, yeah, everybody should celebrate it. And you got other, you got people saying, okay, but who was it freedom for at that time? They're like Native mm. Americans were being killed and mm. Americans mm. enslaved. So who was the who was the independence really for? Was it for us? I'll tell you that right now. Very much the white men at the time in the white community. Yeah, and the uh, white women, white women were, wasn't even treated equal. Mm-hmm. They, they had to fight their way up to equality too. So if anything, they should, they should know what we're going through. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see how they're, how they could be blinded by, um, by like the white men's success and stuff. Yeah, because the history is not being taught right. The real history of America is not being taught whatsoever. So you're going to have all these misconceptions on what this means and what that means. But really, everybody just needs to really look up on the history of America. And you will see a lot of things that be like, wow, I can't believe that happened. What are you thinking about it? The history of America is very ugly. Yes. The history, the history of this world, from like fourteen hundred on, is very ugly. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's just a lot of wars, a lot of hatred, a lot of killing. Colonization. Yeah. It's just one. It's just one side trying to get power over the other, by any means necessary. And through that history, there's a lot of stuff that <clears throat> they did that's not being out there. So it's like, although the history is there, there's some things that they're trying to scheme away from. And I mean, you gotta be honest, you gotta look at the whole history. So it's like they only putting out certain things. <coughs> And to make change, we all have, we everybody has to be educated on the right thing. So we that that's got to be number one. Oh, I have one more microaggression that popped in my head. It's from elementary school. It'd be when the teacher calls on a kid to read a certain section that they know they will struggle. Yeah, that dominates. Yeah, I actually had that. 
that would happen sometimes. Yeah. I wasn't the best reader at the time. And I'd be like, oh, man. Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> They'd be like, oh. They'd be like, oh, such and such. I haven't heard you. I haven't heard you read in a couple. In a, in a while. I was like, I read yesterday. Like, why did you? Like, leave me alone. It's like, they've taken their power, and it's like, they just doing whenever and however. It's crazy how I, I've also had, like, a lot of microaggression experiences in elementary It's crazy how it's like, you're an adult, and, and a lot of times it's like, these are kids. It's like, why why do you think that the kid would receive it any differently in, in a way? Like, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, I almost wonder if it's like, oh, they're a kid, they're not going to take it seriously, or it's not going to hurt as much, and I don't, it, it just... It rubs me the wrong way when it's a grown person doing that to you, like a, a very young, impressionable mind. Um, no matter how apparent it is um, to others or themselves. Yeah, um, I remember second grade. Yeah. So I hold a pencil different than what everybody's taught. Mm-hmm. So in second grade, we was doing something in class. Then I. I told the teacher that I couldn't read. So I asked what something she wrote on the board meant. Then instead of her telling me what it was, she just attacked me how the way I write. My writing style. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like, like I just want, I just want to know what was written. You just gonna attack me? Yeah. Seven years old. Like, let me live. I, I lost straight up. I never liked it for the rest of that the rest of the year. Mm. Lost my they, they attacking these the younger generation, these young kids. But the thing is, these young kids are very intelligent and they keep a mm-hmm. mental note of everything. Yeah. And it really affects them later later down that road. Oh, I did not forget anything. Anything big that happened to me in elementary school, I did not forget. Except mm-hmm. yeah. I had so been know, in sixth I... grade to go. Oh, go ahead. Okay, I had been in like sixth grade and I had revisited my old elementary school. And um, like one of the administrators, she was like uh, the magnet coordinator here um, in at this elementary school. And at this time, I had started to straighten my hair in middle school, and I think a lot. Of of women of color go through this phase where they feel like they need to straighten their hair look more Eurocentric in a way really and I was going through that phase um, and so I had straightened and fried the hell out of my hair at that time and um, she's like oh you're back to visit blah, blah blah and then she's like wait you actually brush your hair now and I was like oh absolutely not and I even then I like even then I was like what sixth grade so that's like maybe 11 yeah. And it's just the fact that like straight hair is associated with something like hygiene of whether you, you brush and clean your hair or not. And it's like, I, like, I don't like maybe she's not realizing in her head like, oh, that that would sound. I don't understand how that was um, dead without it being connected. Like, oh, that kind of rude. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um... One uh, situation I had, it's kind of a little off track. It relates to food. Being from the South, you know, we love to eat fried chicken. Oh, that's so good. Every single day. I actually had Bojangles the other night. 
Their um chicken the chicken chicken biscuit sandwich. Yes. Yeah. Love them. Yes. Love yes. Them. So, uh, it was after it was after one of the high school football games. You know, Friday night the school just won, so you know we all either go to the local spot that's down the street from the school uh, and get some food. So we all sitting down and. The way uh the waitress comes and it's a group of you know African Americans and she comes and you no know, usually you get the the menu and they'd be like oh uh, are they ready to order or do I need time she just went straight into oh let me guess y'all having fried chicken and laugh and we looking like what. I'm no, I'm I'm getting an omelet. Like would you like that right there pissed me off. It, it didn't piss nobody else off because it was a joke and it was like, like no, uh that's very on account is very racist because very stereotypical because once again the images out there in the media and whatnot, these movies and Television shows and et cetera, et cetera. Now, black people love chicken. Now, I'm not saying I don't eat fried chicken, but at that time, that shouldn't have even come out your mouth because not all black people eat fried chicken or certain things. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Black food stereotypes. Like, I don't eat fried chicken that much. Yeah. And then, like, the watermelon. Like, I don't eat watermelon. I don't like it. I stay away from it. What's the other black food stereotype? Uh, I'll figure out how you eat it. It's a lot that goes with. Uh, isn't like uh, isn't Kool Aid thrown in there a lot? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Kool Aid thrown in there. Yo, like since I was like, I haven't had Kool Aid in a minute. I had a Kool Aid since I was eight. So while they want to come off as oh uh just joking and don't not nah, like this is a that is a very in some cases it's just downright disrespectful because you assuming something that you have heard in your lifetime that this would this person automatically is going to do so let me tell them what they're going to do it's not the, it's not the case it's Everyone is different if you see even if even if it was the intention of a joke. Like, what part about that is necessarily funny? A, and B, what part about it can, like, even had to be transferred into a joke? Like, why was that even necessary? Right. Like, there's, there's certain stuff that, I mean, you hear, because that's what you see a lot is, in terms of the stereotype, in terms of the microaggression, is this, like, oh, it was just meant in a joking manner. But, like, at what point did you conclude that what you're about to say like it, it's pretty much a cop-out if you say that but as well like in what point did you conclude that what you're about to say should even be said as a joke All right i think a, a lot of it goes down to you know insensitivity obviously but also um if you look at the history of black people in, in, the, in the state specifically like minstrelsy it started it all, and this, that's what perpetuated blackface, these stereotypes, these minstrel tropes that, that traveled a lot of times. It was, you know, 
performed by white people to entertain white people by using degrading stereotypes as humor. Uh, and I think over the years, that become like normalized way or they act out according. Oh, what happened? You, you cut out a little bit right there. <laughs> oh, I cut out. Yeah. What was the last word that I said? <laughs> oh, we could I do? don't know. You're talking about okay. uh, menstrual trope? Is that? Min- yeah, menstrual The menstrual, the menstrual uh, shows. Um, a lot of people, I think, when they make these jokes, they they think of it in modern terms and don't realize that what they're saying has a very long history of perpetuating negative stereotypes towards black people. Um, and then there's a few, there's some that will learn that and change, and then there's some that just straight up won't, and um, which is the, which is a problem. I think why people like why it's continuing to be a problem. It, it was kind of something that I wanted to bring up in regards to the page and trying to see what course of action is taking. Because when you talk a lot of the talk of professors that are maybe in Annenberg, maybe in School of Cinematic Arts, that's another one that you see a lot as well. Like, as kind of Abby's been demonstrating, in which that happens in film all the time. Um, what, because if you realize that Annenberg and School of Cinematic Arts are two of our most profound colleges on the campus, like, what's actions do you see happening to which it's it's obvious that the professors they are in turn microaggressors but it's also obvious that in terms of professors like them themselves teaching is what makes the curriculum and the courses the um, level in which they are so what kind of balances or what kind of actions can you see to keep a manner of both keeping at the level that it is and getting rid of the microaggression within Um, so you know these town halls that's been going on a little bit? Yeah. I think the faculty need to listen to mm-hmm. We have one where all of, like the coaches listened in. I think that was great. Because they, they got our perspective. But the faculty, they don't really know the students' perspective. Like, yeah. they're, now they're just not understanding if they're looking at the pages. Well, some of them are. Well, some of the other people of color. Um, staff members do know our pain and struggle. But I think staff members all over this university need to understand where we're coming from, what we're experiencing from them. I don't know how many of them actually look on rate my rate my professor. I don't know how many people write reviews on this. But first they need to hear our perspective. Then they need to there needs to be like staff reevaluation. Like deep, like real, like like come on, like they need like some type of training, sensitivity trainer or whatever. Because a lot of them they're just joking, like oh this is just my personality, but this is I do this all the time. They like it, like no, but there's like a handful of students sitting wherever they are sitting that you're insulting, and then Mm -hmm. just feels hurt about it. And then there's going to be that small group who feel like what they're doing now is right. They're just not going to change. And for those small people, they just got to go. All right. Yeah, this is it. Add on. Oh, all right. If they want to, 
if they if they want to keep their ideals and teach hate like that, go somewhere else. Right. And to uh, to add on on that, I don't know if y'all did this in high school, but I know my high school we did teacher evaluate student teacher evaluations where the teacher would leave, would get like the administrator would come in, give us a sheet of paper, get like an evaluation sheet on the on the um, teacher, and don't put our names on it, but we write down you know the question that is given. I feel like we need to take that high school element and put it in college. And well, we have that though. I mean, we yeah, we have the evaluation. But yeah, we have the evaluation, but it's not like it's like based on how well we learn throughout the course. Yeah, it should be in depth. How is the class? Do you feel safe in the class? Do you feel respect in the class? It should be real in depth questions. So when they have their little meeting, they'll look at it and make the necessary changes. And one thing uh, I also add is you, like what John said, the main schools that is on this um, on this Instagram, Cinematic Arts in Annenberg, and they both share one common thing. They're both media outlets. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that just that should tell you right there that. Whoever who's in charge, President Fault, whoever, they need to go to those two schools because they are the ones that's putting out the images to the world. I'm also I'm really surprised that Marshall hasn't gotten any heat, be- and I hope they do. I hope someone comes from Marshall's neck um, because there is like no there is like no black. Um, students in Marshall, like in every one of my classes, I, I do not see much of a black author. There might be one or two students in like two of my classes. Um, and there's not, there's not a lot of, uh, a lot of like Latinx people either uh, that are actually like brown, like not to hold that against them, but it's a different experience to be white passing. And, um, but uh, the common, the most common thing, the thing with, I think Marshall needs to recognize um, is that they model minority myth so hard, um, and because you see the minority that the minority group that is well represented in Marshall is are Asians, and not to say that they are not have not had their own problems because they certainly do, but it it way you have a lot of um, agencies, but not that's that's a lot of minority like. When you don't have an equally representative minority like representation, it kind of makes you feel like, oh, should I have to look up to the the Asians and do better? Like that's like where the model minority myth comes from. It like comes from this like perpetuation of a certain minority group as as harder, more harder working or better than like the other ones below it. And a Marshall makes that feel so heavily, and and the USG does too because I noticed that the Asian. Uh, um, diversity group or whatever it was like a was more funded than uh, the black or um, Latin student assemblies, or um, which I which is a whole other issue that needs to be discussed. Yes, diversity is the main thing that that from what you're telling us, diversity and it's very diversity needs to hit every school. Therefore, the exception 
accepting rate into these different schools need to go up. It just have to. They're the ones that's looking at these applications. And I know a lot of people that's, you know, African-Americans, uh, people of color, that they want to go into business. So it's not that nobody wants to go into, you know, Marshall or any other, any other you know, high-profile schools. It's, they're not able to get in for some apparent reason. Speaking on March, I just saw, I just read something that, the Fertitta building. Name that the what Frank and Lorenzo. Yeah. Owner of Zoo. And they just sold they sold the UFC uh, a couple years ago for four billion. <laughs> you know, um, they donate millions to the Trump campaign. So <laughs> you can't ex- like come on. Marshall School of Business, they had the Fertitta name on their building. Like, they gotta, they gotta, what, make a stamp of silence. And, like, while we're going along the, uh, like, the path of describing all the schools that we think, like, appear on this, we, we do kind of want to, for those, like, listening, so we do want to argue that it's not specifically like these schools. And, like, while it appears that, like, when we talk about Hamburg, we talk about schools to Matt Garson, we talk about Marshall right now, it's because, A, in Abby's case, Marshall, like, she has experience in it. And mm. me, to Annenberg, and, like, Theorem, aren't you a comm major? No, uh, for science. So I'll be in a uh, law. So, like, we, we have a lot of teammates and a lot of friends that are have been in Annenberg know people like we know the success that the SCA has had and so these are major programs and these just happen to be the ones that you just see more frequently on the black SC page that we kind of talked about it definitely happens in all the classes that it it happens across the piece like we don't we don't want it to appear that it's only specifically these like um, these colleges specifically but, and that's why I think a lot of what goes on and like kind of what I was asking and what actions can be taken place is we stem it back to our conversation with Coach Watt in the very first episode is his idea of accountability. And mm-hmm. talk about accountability in this instance and you got a page that talks about high-ranking professors and high-ranking programs still acting like this. Stemming back to like we talked about 1976. Yeah, that's, a, that's a long time. 2023 as well, like stemming across all that time. And it's not just students, but you also got staff members. They specifically have to highlight as staff members because they can't specify it to a college. They can't specify it to what the job position is, who they are. And I like that anonymity, uh, anonymous factor of it. But along those lines, if you got staff members complaining, like this, this is what we're talking about in accountability. That's when it's real. It's even more real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, if we want to see action take place, like we see folks and a lot of what's going on in the administration, everything is being acknowledged. <laughs> it is being acknowledged and there is some steps being put forth, but it's obvious that there is an institutional problem of stereotyping, microaggressing, Greek life racism, like we talked about. Like mm-hmm. at some point, a top down reassessment of sorts is going to have to like it's going to have to happen. Yeah. yeah. I know she, I know the university is busy on handling this COVID situation. 
But it's not, it doesn't take a long time. It's not hard to tell the students, faculty, and staff to be a good human for yeah. once. Not, Stop, don't, you don't have to, la- don't label people. Like, it won't be tolerated. Like, it, it's not hard to, it's not hard to lay a groundwork for change. Yeah. Like, putting a, a letter out, an apology letter. That's that's not gonna do anything. That that's just not. So one thing uh, I kind of brought up earlier uh, about microaggression is microaggression towards student athletes, particularly at SE. Now I know this issue has happened with all student athletes from D one, D two, and everywhere. So. I want to. I want to I get y'all take on it. But to me, I feel like I feel like student athletes is the same as a student. We all share that one thing. We're students. Now, although we do other things at the school, participate in the sport that's televised on tele on TV, and et cetera, et cetera, and Money is we generate the money into the school, but I just don't understand how we're getting attacked, attacked heavily since I don't know how far we could go back, but it's been a continuous, continuous thing and nobody has addressed it. Staff members don't believe we could perform as well as other students in the classroom. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And. A lot of them believe, like, oh, you wouldn't have gotten into this school if it wasn't for your athletics. And for a lot of people, that's not true. Yeah. You, people got to <laughs> They forget we have to actually get into the school. Yeah. Exactly. You got to come in with the test scores. You got to come in with the GPA. You got to come in with the right classes. I, I just don't understand. Like, Coach Carroll recruits people she knows will be able to make it. Like, that's first and foremost. And, like, he always jokes about, and, like, even even if it is um, in regarding to a person who may appear to struggle a little bit, and she talks about the quivering of the hand when handing over the application, like, she's not going to put in a person to fail at this institution, like, to fail at the university. She knows, I think that's the level of every athletic program that's on campus. And when you talk about, like, you don't recruit people unless they have a good grade. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That's that's pretty much the majority of everywhere, like, as well. If you look at, like, uh, specifically, like, Notre Dame, for example. Like, Notre Dame has a level of standard of, like, being a student-athlete. Like, you have to meet, regardless of you're an athlete or not. And I think that applies to a lot of colleges as well, specifically, like, SC. And... While I think it, this stems from the conversation of grief like we had a while ago, is the perception of a student athlete being a token, like, is it, excuse my language, bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's a ridiculous sentiment that we like, still have. It, yeah. And that's why uh, when we first talked about microaggression, that's why I brought up uh, one of my uh, good friends, because he, he's a student athlete. And He's a good student, okay? All he does is just play football. That, that's the only different thing. 
And I feel like when you, especially when you go into the classrooms, everybody just look at you different because you got a, uh, I don't know, got on all SE gear because that's basically what all of us wear because we just got done with weights or have practice or getting ready for practice at the class or whatnot. Or we got like this book bag. I, I don't, they, the thing that is out there from the outside looking in that we get special treatment. I want to know what kind of special treatment do we get because at the end of the day, if anything, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because our schedule is very demanding. Our schedule is more like a nine to five and we coming in 18, 19 years of age to start. So I, I have like an interesting experience because unlike you guys, I actually like um, was at SC just as a student for a semester um, because the just the process of like getting onto the team took longer for me because y'all were in seasons, so the coaches were busy and um, but like so like coming from like the outside perspective, I know a bunch of people think that like priority registration or priority housing or stipends are what qualify as like the special treatment. Um, but what they don't really see is that like like you're saying, D Rob, like when you're basically working a nine to five as an athlete, it kind of comes it's kind of like a trade-off. So in the end it kind of just balances out. Like it's not like one is elevated before the other because when I talk to them and they they talk about like a lot of the just regular students talk about like oh priority registration, the priority housing, whatever it is. But they also get their free time for the most part, which I think is <laughs> really, oh, like, which is also, like, I don't think they realize, like, how valuable that comes with, because um, I know it's hard even, like, to, to, for me, at least, it was, it's always been hard for me to get a job as a student athlete just because of the time schedules, mm-hmm. um, like, socializing, it's not the same, you can't just go out and party every night like a regular student can, um, there's priorities that it's that um, make it a give or take situation. Yeah, it, I would say the kind of benefits that people like the first list kind of talk about is not solely a benefit or a treatment that is particularly happy, but the term that they keep on forgetting all this is first and foremost, it's supplementation. Like it's supplementation. <laughs> Like she talked about, it's hard for her to get a job with the schedule that we put. Well, that's why we get priority registration. And exactly. You know, sometimes during registration, we're like away. I've set schedule, like I map out uh, kind of Angela, the, uh, <coughs> and like if you got weights from one to two, you got practice from two to three, that's where the heart of most of the classes at the campus are. Like, what? when we go running around the campus on a Monday, it is packed at yeah. 2 o'clock. It's ridiculous. Uh, uh, I'm going to choose your professors. Yeah. There, there's certain professors, like, you go on Raymond professors that um, you see a lot, like, or have a higher ranking and a higher rating than a lot of other professors. And, like, they got, a, they got like, a 1 o'clock class only. And you have, like, a 1 o'clock class or an 8 a.m. class. In which knowing you got practice in the morning as well, like 
you're not going to get the one at one o'clock class. <laughs> yeah, making a schedule for this fall semester is a struggle. Yeah. Well, and the thing that they don't realize is when when everybody else had their registration, we would be in we would be in practice. It's the same time, so it's like okay, we got to we got to okay. I give you this. We need. We need to be the one to get our classes. Because the thing is, the student—it's it's not a lot of us. It's, that's not the main population. Like it's not like thirty thousand of us. You know, like people will still get their classes even when we register first. And I'm pretty sure like, like half off at a at a certain number of student athletes. Yeah, it does. I just feel like the student body alone just need to one fully know us as people because. It's a lot of us not just going there just for the sport. If that's the case, we wouldn't be eligible. It's just plain and simple. It's like, yeah, what? <laughs> you basically, you know what I'm saying? Like, you going, you going to SC, a private institution, just to play sport? Come on now. That's, that's, might as well go somewhere else. You don't, you don't, you don't do that, SC. But the student athletes that's at SC, are very smart, intelligent people. And that's what student body got don't realize that we are people. We're not just athletes. We are people and we have feelings. Just like y'all. Our schedule is different. We do other things, you know, we get few things like a book bag, you know, we get books, you know, we get stuff like that. But at the same at the end of the day we, we we are human beings going to school, getting our education. I think uh, one of stepping back from the microaggression topic and like just kind of looking at the time and length of the podcast, I know it's we're, we're getting to a time of make close somewhat soon. So uh, there, there's one thing that we kind of, from the beginning kind of wanted to bring up as well, in which the have you guys seen? the response of it was called like the people at USC page. Oh man, I was about to bring this up. I yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. I saw yes. I first laughed because it is the absolute equivalent to um a person responding in a manner like in the manner of saying Black Lives Matter and saying all lives matter. That a hundred percent was one what it was. That was the first two, mm-hmm. two you look at like the first four posts because that was the first one I saw before they went on private. Um, and you look at him like, this is silly. Like, Especially the one that gets slapped back in the neck. Yeah, I was like, this is silly. Uh-huh. And then third, to have your account that you put as a, an anonymous um, entrance as well, and to have it in a manner in which you want to represent <laughs> everybody at SC, and then to make it private, to make it private, that just shows you who's ever running that account is is that just shows you where their head is at. I think yeah. the account is deleted by now, but no. yeah, I, I think I think uh, they deleted it because I haven't heard anything uh, from that page. When I first saw it, I got excited. I was like, "Ooh, I love this!" Then I went, I went, I didn't even look at the post. I went straight to followers list. I'm like, "Let me see who follows this page." I'm yeah. like, "I want to see who you really are." It, it, nah, for real. That, that's, 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 I'm like, this is fun. Yeah, let me know who you are. 
Exactly. Thank you for revealing yourself. Yeah. This is what, like, everything that's been going on, I just like how people have just been showing their cards. They're just showing who they're oh, That's all this is doing. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's all this is doing. Like, you see I love it. Like, you, see like the real, <laughs> you see the real ones, and you see the fake ones. You see the good people, and you see the bad people. You see everybody. I love it. <laughs> Be quiet. Like, there's a few houses in this state who wouldn't, all right, they, they weren't normally have a Confederate flag out. But after all this, they put their Confederate, Confederate flag out. Or they'll yeah. Yeah. There's a few flags that have been like half American flag, half Confederate. Oh, they trying to slick with it. So I'm, I'm just uh-huh. driving around, look around like, cool. Thank you for telling me who you are. At that point, it's like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. And in a matter of like specifically having, um, in response to having the people at USC page, and like while it absolutely pissed me off, but to have that in complete juxtaposition to the Black at SC page, like first and foremost, you understand that if you have eleven and a half thousand people following a page, there's a level of empathy and sympathy that like you would expect being a student at SC, regardless of where you are. Mm-hmm. At some point, even if you do believe that like even if you do believe that every person at SC matters, read the room. Like, yeah, all right. read the room. Like, it's yeah. just out of time. Yeah, and I feel like with this page, uh, eyes are starting to open. I feel like the change is going to come. I feel like one change, I'm a really leaving that they do is reposition the people in these classrooms uh that we have more detailed teach teacher uh professor teacher however they want to wrote it evaluations i feel like um people high up like the president need to listen to us listen to the students not just near and everybody but listen to you know the ones that's talking at real and really hear Matter of fact, put yourself in their shoes and really feel they what they're going Because they, they don't ever do that. They just look at it as like, oh, okay, uh, next. Like, really put yourself in these people's shoes because it's, it's real and it's deep and it's affecting a whole lot of people on a whole nother level. So yeah. that's, that's, that's what I think they need to do. I think one of the first ways of doing so is like, take a look at the, the Instagram page. Like, yeah, literally, that's what you got to do. Just sit down. You don't even got to read every post. Just, just watch yeah. it. Just look at least a five, and you will get the clue. Just look at the first five. <laughs> look at the first five. You as a student, if you as a professor, if you as a person that works on the campus, just believes you and yourself don't um, are not an antagonist or protagonist don't know the proper term in doing so like if you think you're not a microaggressor okay still look at the page yeah <laughs> like there's stuff that i had feared in the past that like i don't know if it's come across poorly i don't know if i've turned have in certain uh, have been a microaggressor but looking at the page like it's obvious what you can do it's like prevent that. Yeah. 
and not just reading it, but like I said, put yourself in these people's shoes. Read it from a different perspective. Don't just read it from your perspective. Read it in these people's perspectives because if you do that, then you will understand and you will get the idea of what to do, what not to do, and what is uh, being put out there. One more thing to talk about. I feel like it's, we need to talk about it. It's the, the decisions were made yesterday or the day before by ICE. National <sighs> students and student athletes. I think it's messed up very extremely. I just can't believe a country would do that. Like, But then again, I'm not surprised. A country would do the unbelievable. But this thing, like, I get it because other, no, I don't get it. I don't. Wait a minute. What am I talking about? <laughs> so well, other countries have made travel bans on us. So I guess in turn, we're not provide, no, we won't let what well, other nationalities come to the United States to receive their education in person or whatever. I'm like, you're messing up people's future. Exactly. People pay rent here. People work. People are more than just students here. Like people hope to have a future here. We're supposed to be the land of free. But we're getting we we not we haven't been like that for years. We have never lived up to that ever. And I know we got teammates. Uh that's and I don't know because I know a lot more other internationally uh, have a few more uh, other people so I'm going to give a little bit of the background they come to America to find a better life they come to America to get out of the situation that they're in outside of the states Opportunity. so to have the audacity to put my my thing is I know that other countries have banned people from travel from different areas because of the COVID, but what America is doing, they're doing it's it's not the right intentions at all. Like I don't know, well I don't know why they're doing it, but in the matter that which they're doing is ugly and and it's it's disgusting. They think they're going to bring in more COVID cases, even though the spike in COVID cases is because of the lack of leadership within certain states. Well, within a lot of states. But yeah, to be true. honest, it's like if I, I were from another country, I would fear the U.S. more. <laughs> like a lot of the world is handling this better and or handled it better and then like are now opening up and going to normal lives and the US is kind of just sitting there like, you know, behind the window watching everyone go outside again. Um, ultimately because of the the, the issue we have with healthcare and, and capitalism within our own country. Um, but yeah, it doesn't even from that perspective like make sense because the US is worse off than a lot of countries right now. Especially, I know a lot of ones that, um, that, like, that I know a lot of students come from um, are doing a lot better than the U.S. Yeah, because they took it serious. 
<laughs> America feel like they invincible. And it was like, oh, I'm not just gonna stay in the house for two weeks. I'm gonna go out and then boom. Yeah. Like, now, as soon as we start trending in the right direction, like, oh, we're good. Everybody open back up. It's like, no. People just feel like they above what's going on. Everybody Until they get it, then they be like, oh, uh, then they want to take it serious. Like, nah, this is this is a serious thing that's been going on for how many months now? This is what January? Yeah, the entire year. So, <laughs> dude, I I had to like I'm not one. I've obviously not had the the virus, but put in perspective, like I had to take I had to take a test today for it. Well, the nasal swab sucks. <laughs> oh, I know it sucks. I took one last week. That thing is horrible. And like, let alone that sucks. You think the virus won't be as bad as that? Like, if you're uncomfortable to go get a test, you're uncomfortable, and but you're more comfortable hanging around people that you don't even know have it. Like, it's stupid. It's stupid to me. Mm-hmm. And then people think just because you're asymptomatic, you're you're good. But now there's like studies coming out saying that asymptomatic, what the asymptomatic people who have long-term effects. Like, there was a study in Arizona. A symptomatic person got their lungs x-rayed or whatever, scanned. And the doctor was like, you should be dead. Yeah. Even though the person was breathing fine and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. People just, I don't know. Started with leadership. Yeah. And like Coach Watts talked about the first ones, main thing's accountability. And it's obvious that... There's not a lot of accountability top to bottom almost everywhere. Um, it was really weird celebrating 4th of July with everything going on. Um, National Cookout Day. Yeah. It just felt, it was just, not, it wasn't singing the same song, definitely. <laughs> Especially, with, I mean, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the ICE um, issue right now, with, um, like they're gas, they're starting to gas, um, mainly Central Americans, um, like in ice for some, like for some reason with like deadly poisonous gas, and it's just it's just really like wow, our country's, I don't know, it has its issues, and I think America gets away with it because it thinks it's the best country on earth. Well, uh. I think since it's kind of obvious that D-Rob's screen is frozen, that uh, yeah, kind of got cut off. <laughs> yeah, he got cut off. I think this is a pretty appropriate time to maybe end. Um, mm-hmm. I that we were able to discuss, happy with plot that we were able to discuss, and I'm looking forward to a seeing. Uh, there will be another 484 posts. Hopefully, there won't be on on this uh, Black at SC page and. No, it's a topic that is not easy to talk about, a topic that is apparent in a lot of what happens at SC. But hopefully we see some reform, we see some first off acknowledgement, and like we talked about, hopefully we see some accountability. I think first and foremost. Yeah. Um, I'll just say, follow the UBSAA Instagram page, follow BSA 
Instagram page. Uh, follow off the track Instagram page. Uh, stay tuned to all the very dynamic things going on. There's going to be a lot of big stuff going on in the next three to four weeks. I'd say one more thing to follow. Shoot, follow Black at SC page. Yeah, follow that. See, yeah. see what we're talking about. Use your voice. I think with that, uh, this has been another episode of Off the Track. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys next week. I don't know. Right on.